Well, that's our new series called Sealed. Why is it called Sealed? Well, it's about relationships. From now until Easter, we're going to be talking about relationships. Law and love is covenant. And that's what a seal signifies. The, the bonds and the liberties of healthy relationships. What are you bonded to that needs to be broken? What bonds need to be reforged? Why do we need to talk about relationships? Why talk so directly about relationships? What's the need here? Somebody asked Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife, uh, knowing that the lifestyle that they were leading was very difficult, knowing the travel and the pressures and the profile that they carried, someone asked her, have you ever considered divorce? And she said, famously, divorce? No. Murder? Yes. Now, she might not get away with that today with uh, the lack of sense of humor in the public eye, but, but people are difficult. And I wanted to tell that quick story because that includes you and me. Billy Graham was difficult. You are difficult. Carnegie Institute of Technology says that 90% of the time when people fail in their endeavors, fail in their careers, fail to reach their goals. It's because of a failure to deal well with relationships. And so from now until Easter, let's take a look at the limits and the liberties, the bonds and freedoms of healthy relationships. Six invitations these six weeks. Six invitations. Today, starting an invitation to beauty. Looking through the book of 1 John. Not the Gospel of 1 John. The book of 1 John. Towards the end of the New Testament. Turn with me now to 1 John. We'll read 1 John 1, 1 through 10. An invitation to beauty. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that, so that, you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. May God bless us through this, his holy word. God, would you bless us now through your word. May the light shine on our hearts. The light of the world that we may walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So, three little pigs building three houses is not much of a story. But then when the huffing and puffing starts, you know, and things get to be a mess, now you got a story. A good story is when there's, you know, a, a hero and then there's a mess to clean up and it gets cleaned up by the end. That's a good story. But beautiful story, a story that has beauty to it, a story that just grabs you by the heart. That's a story where the mess becomes part of the message. I think for most people, if they're going to let grace make their mess part of their message, before they let grace in, before they let grace deal with their mess, they need to see the beauty of grace. They need to see the beauty of the gospel of grace before people let it in, before people let the beauty of grace or the power of grace turn their mess to a message. So let's take a look this morning. Let's take a look at the way that the gospel of grace turns your mess into a message. And the invitation is to see the beauty in advance. What a grace it is to see what God does. This is, this is how God, God reframes your story to make it beautiful, even the messy pieces of it. And he lets you see how it works. There's an invitation to see the beauty of grace this morning, to see how it is universal. It is a universal beauty. It's a personal, experienced beauty. And it's a beauty that we can walk in daily. The universal nature of the beauty of grace, the personal nature of the beauty of grace, and the daily invitation to walk in grace. Let's take a look. So first of all, the universality of this message it's universal, like gravity, whether you believe it or not, right? You don't have to believe in gravity for it to be working on you, right? You don't have to believe it. It just works on you. It's universal. It's true for you. It's true for me. It's the same, right? Believe it or not, gravity works on you. Believe it or not, grace is a thing, and it's a thing of beauty. And so we need to understand our stories, our individual stories, in light of the story of the gospel. To understand your story, you have to make sense of it in light of the gospel. That's what the universal invitation to beauty is. It's to make sense of all of your messes. 
It's to reinterpret everything that has happened in light of the gospel. You know, this, this, this idea, this beautiful story of all stories keeps showing up in all of our books, in all of our movies. It just shows up because there's something gripping about it. There's something that rings universally true about the gospel of grace. It keeps showing up again and again and again. Let me, let me just give you some storylines and see if you can guess what book or movie I'm talking about, okay? So here's this naive person who seems to be weak, all right? But on him is placed all the hopes of humanity, and he takes the burden of evil, And in walking up the hill, one of his friends carries him the rest of the way before he takes the evil and dispenses with it into the pit, the fiery pit. Well, am I talking about Jesus going down towards Golgotha and Simon of Cyrene lifting him and the cross at the very end? Am I talking about about the trek up Calvary's hill? No, I'm talking about... Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, right? Frodo Baggins walking with the ring, the burden of evil to the pit of Mordor, right? Let me try another one. Did you get that one? Did you get that one? Did you guess that one? No? See, you thought I was talking about the gospel, but I was talking about Lord of the Rings. Okay, let's try, try another one. Okay, uh, uh, a chosen one as a baby, chosen as a baby, uh, this boy was... Uh, was called upon to become the hope of the world and to defeat uh, this evil uh, in the, the, the form of a person who then died and when he came back to life made all of his friends better. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? But, of course, I'm talking about Harry Potter, all right? That's Harry Potter, okay? Let me try one more, okay? So here someone comes from the heavens. Someone comes from the heavens, all right? And only children, only children can really understand him and appreciate him, all right? He comes from the heavens. Only children can understand and appreciate him. Uh, he, he gives his life for his friend, and then he comes back to life. And before he leaves for the heavens again, he points at Elliot's head and says, I will be right here. Okay, that's E.T., all right? So you see that this universal story, this beautiful story of grace, of the renewing power of grace shows up again and again. Have you been in that, that movie theater where you're glad it's dark because suddenly someone's mess isn't just cleaned up, but you have identified with that mess? That's your mess you're seeing on the silver screen. And suddenly you hear sniffles around you and you're glad that it's dark because you don't want to be embarrassed because of this wet stuff coming down on your cheeks because that's you. That's your story being told again because the mess is becoming part of the message. It's resonating with you. Let me read to you, one through three again. That John puts things in universal quality. He frames it 
not just in terms of some psychological or emotional experience. He's saying, as real as anything you've ever experienced, we experience the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. He's referencing again his own gospel of John. He's referencing Genesis, that which we knew from the beginning, which we have heard, right? The senses, right? We've heard it with our ears. We've seen it with our eyes. We've looked upon it. We've touched it with our hands considering the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it. And we testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we have proclaimed also to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. You see, knowing this universal truth in the form of a person is that which heals, restores relationship. You see, it's not just something that that we subjectively regard through some kind of uh, psychologized truths or emotional self-manipulation. This was historic. It is historic. He's making from the beginning, he's making it indelibly clear. We're talking about history and fact and real life change. See, I think if we're going to let grace mess with our mess, before we're going to let grace mess with our mess and turn our mess into a message, we're going to have to see the beauty of this universal truth, like gravity, the story of Jesus coming historically, intervening in the arc of human history, changing its direction. So sometimes you have to see the beauty of it in its universality. But, 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 so then you can understand your story in light of the story, right? You understand? You understand your story in light of the story. But, but not only do we need to understand our story in light of the story, but we need to stand under the story. We don't just need to understand the story and understand our story in light of the story. We need to stand under the story. We don't like to stand under things, do we? We like to stand over things, right? We like to understand things. We don't like to stand under things. We like to be in control of things. We like to see through things. Nobody wants to be a fool. You know, today, the, the, the way that news, so many news stories are, 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 are framed up is in terms of some sort of cynicism that we're seeing through everything, seeing through everything. And C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says, You know, the purpose of seeing through a window is to see the garden beyond it. If you see through the garden, and if you see through everything forever and forever, you're no longer seeing. To see through everything is to see nothing. It's another way. It's a picture way. C.S. Lewis is so good with images. It's a way of, of painting a picture of what it means to submit to something that's true, personally. So we don't just need to understand the gospel and our story in light of this story. We need to stand under the story. It needs to become our story, personally, subjectively. 
You see, verse 5, let's jump right to it. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice in the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he in the light, we have fellowship with each other. See, the, the story needs to expose our dark parts. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to say sort of objectively and stand over and say, isn't it beautiful how the gospel makes a message out of a mess, right? Oh, I like that. I like to do that. I like to see other people sing and like to hear other people. I like to, I like to be moved by other people's stories. But what about your story? What about your mess? What about your scars, your wounds? Has the story worked on your mess? Have you let it in? Have you let it reinterpret the way you look at things? Have you seen your message, messes turn into a message? Now, I've shared with you my, my summer uh, where everything sort of went dark. Um, when I was you know, coming of age, a very young adult, um, and I was, you know, it's sort of the summer on the beach, but not on the sort of the beach that you picture of summer, like endless summer, like beach boy summer. But this was on the beach with Jacob. This was wrestling with God. You know, I had one thing after another thing after another thing just blow up in my life. You know, I had, I had the loss of a brother. I had the loss of a, of a sort of a soccer career. I blew my knee out. I, I crashed my car. I almost, I almost ended the life of me and some friends just driving way too fast. I just, my whole world came crashing down. And I was wrestling with who was in charge of me, right? And out of, you know, and you know the story of Jacob on the beach, you know, he wrestles with God. And in the form of an angel, he wrestles physically. And then, you know, he, he asks for a blessing and and uh, the angel touches him on the hip as a reminder. Okay, who's in charge of your life? And he's left with this wound. And so he's, he's left to walk with a limp. And now this, even the wounds, you see, even the wound is a reminder that God let him, Jacob, wrestle with him. That God let him see him face to face. That God let him take all of his concerns, like Job Pouring out his heart before God, protesting the way the universe was being run. And in the course of that, pouring out wheat and chaff together, discovering that even his mess, even his complaints, even his perplexities and questions and conundrums, even those can become redeemed. Part of this message, have you let grace mess with your mess? Not just in general, but has grace messed with your mess? I love this this image of kintsugi. Have you heard of what what kintsugi is? Um, kintsugi, Kintsugi means golden joinery and it's it's like a bowl picture a bowl that has been broken 
Okay, And then the shards have been bonded back together with gold. Have you ever seen one of these? Like, so so just, you, you picture you walk into somebody's house and you see you know, the bookshelf and in between a stack of books is this bowl and you see these veins of gold within it. And what was a broken bowl is now restored with greater beauty at the point of the brokenness. I think men are easier, it, men more easily show their scars. I mean, I'll show you any scar on my body. I, and I, because it's a story. I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe you don't want my legs and maybe you don't even think over the place and there's a story to every one of them and uh, I, I think you could put a group of men around a campfire and just say okay the only thing you, you can talk about tonight are your scars and you know you'd have to shut it down you know they would they they would just go on and on and on and then this one and then this oh I forgot about all about this one this is when I got caught on that thing and you know, I was running from this, and, you know, there's a story to it. But see, what, what, what the grace is saying is that the place of your scars become some of the most beautiful parts of your life. They can. That's the power of the gospel. When you let grace mess with your mess, when you walk in the light, when you bring it out into the light, don't walk in the darkness... When you are to have those places exposed, when you're willing to let grace expose it and show it for what it is, you think of my questions, you think of my anger, you think of my wrestling with God. What was that? I'm in charge of me. I don't like the way you're running the universe, God. That was my big question. That was my big complaint. Those places for me are some of the most powerful places of faith and hope and love in my life. The places where God met me in my mess. The places where I allowed you know, my questions and my concerns and my wounds and my fears be exposed to the light. Those become some of those precious places, that kintsugi bowl, those gold, golden joinery of your parts. Have you let grace, mess, with your mess. Finally, I'll leave, leave you with this, this little quotation first, and then I'll, I'll leave you with this little application. summarize this passage born broken live by mending grace is the glue let me leave you with this this application we, we we need to see the universal beauty of it we need to see the beautiful way that that personally that story binds our brokenness together in golden joinery but we need to walk in it daily and there are two ways that we walk in it daily first by confession and second, by fellowship. And fellowship. Those are the ways that we're called to walk in it daily. Confess and fellowship in this passage. Confession is just naming something, all right? So many times I'm on the phone with somebody, and they're, 
they're going to the doctor and they're, they're, they're wondering what's wrong, right? And like, I've got to hold myself back by saying, well, I've heard this before and I'm, I'm practicing medicine without a license. And so I, I'm not, I'm not going to say, but, but I bet it's your gallbladder, all right? So it's like nothing else makes sense. So it's probably the gallbladder, all right? But, but isn't it a pain when you, when, when you don't know? I mean, it's so painful not to know. It's painful to have a diagnosis that's scary. But isn't it, isn't it bad not to know? It's powerful to name something. Oh, it's so nice, too, when, when you name it and you know, okay, well, here's the therapy. This is what's going on. It, it's going to take you, you know, a few months to get through this. But we, you can do this. That's so much better than not knowing. That's what confession is. It's just simply to name the thing and let, exposing it to the light, let the power of that, let the power of it work on you. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, verse 8, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful. Let me say that again. He is faithful. What keeps you from confessing? You think you can wear them out? You think, oh, well, I have a few more of these. That's what you think, isn't it? On an emotional level, you're like, ah, I don't know how many more of these I'm going to get, so I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen, and I'm going to confess you know, something bigger later, right? No. God is the great physician. What do you think he wants for you? Of course he wants you to confess it. Of course, again and again and again and again and again. Of course you're welcome back. Because he wants to break the power of the bond of sin and to rebond you to himself, to give you the power over it. So it no longer dominates. It may still have influence, but sin no longer dominates. You are bound again by the power of grace in a relationship with him that gives you motivation to please him and to obey him. Confess. And finally, fellowship. Isn't it amazing when, when you get the diagnosis and you find out there are all these people around me that had the same diagnosis? What if the diagnosis is divorce? What if the diagnosis is fear? What if the diagnosis is something that, that, that's a temptation you've fallen to again and again and somebody showed you their scars and said, God has healed me of this? You see... I believe that what the scriptures are saying is that's the kind of fellowship we're called to. That's the power of the gospel at work binding us together. That at the point, places of brokenness of our lives, our messes can become and love. Let's pray together. Lord, indeed, that's true. That this table tells a story, a story where you were broken, but out of that brokenness, there came life, a relationship, a reconciliation of us to you forever. So, Lord, we ask that as we come and we partake of bread and cup, Lord, that you would remind us of our story, that once we were lost, now we're found. Once we were blind, but now we're you. Lord, take this common element of bread and cup and strengthen us and encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.